0: Eamon McMahon is the founder and CEO of Equipment Connect, a seed stage fintech making waves in the equipment leasing market. The company launched last year and their marketplace is growing at 20% month on month and they are preparing to launch in Ireland later this year. Eamon actually hails from Ireland and has a background in investment banking. He is a driven and starter pardoned individual. I do hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. He certainly has a lot of wisdom and experience to share. Welcome Eamon. I think you're the first guest to not be connected to health tech in in any way. You are CEO and founder of Equipment Connect, a seed stage fintech uh, making waves in the equipment leasing market. But I think you're probably the best place person to introduce yourself. So go on, do a 30 second elevator pitch for yourself. Go.
1: Thanks Manish. Yeah, delighted to be here. Uh, Yeah, I'm Eamon McMahon, uh, Irish as you can probably tell from my accent, uh, lived in the UK since 2006, uh, worked within investment banking for around 10 years, and since have been involved in Equipment Connect, which is our seed stage fintech. Um, Live in North London, Arsenal supporter, ale drinker, and general uh, messer. Arsenal support. I, I bet you
0: were you were championing the very few Arsenal players that were at yours.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you know we had S- S- Saka doing some amazing stuff, and it was, uh, you know, it's it's always slim pickings, but we make the most of <laughs> what we have. <laughs> we're going to start off.
0: Uh, thanks for the introduction, by the way. Um, we're going to start off on a on on a on a personal angle. So like many founders you have a young family um how hard is it to run a startup when you find yourself in that situation yeah, yeah. let's start with the easy I, question I, shall I, we I, yeah
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> no pressure um you look um you, we do, yeah I, I'm married And we have a uh, We have a baby daughter Baby Alba Who's actually turning Six months tomorrow um, And she's great You know She's an absolute angel um, And my wife and I have, You know We're so blessed to have her um, and, and, and generally being a father is just been a great ride So far um, I've loved every minute of it um, You know I think It is It is tough But it's good tough Rather than bad tough And that's quite a vague statement to make. (laughs) So let me try and add some flesh to the bone. Um, I think, you know, having a child, you know, clearly draws on your energy. um, Clearly, in the case of a a young baby, your sleep will suffer. Um, And there's the emotional, you know, just the roller coaster, right? Which which, which does exhaust you in a slightly different way. Um, but, but it's certainly not all bad. There's a lot of good, there's a lot of you know, great sense of kind, of kind of growth and rewarding growth. And, and that experience is just amazing. Um, you know, I remember back to the Techstars Accelerator where Equipment Connect participated last year. And on one day I was sitting beside um, Hedy Mardissel, who's the CEO of Cache. They're a marketplace for financial services aimed at gig workers. Um, and Hedy has two sons who are, you know, they're kind of, I guess they're like six or seven, eight years old at that kind of age. And I asked her at the time, remembering this is before Aldo was born, I asked her, you know, how, you know, how on earth do you do this? How can you have a startup going through an accelerator and also, you know, have two sons and, and, and working as a, you know, as a mother? It's just so, so difficult, so stretched. Um, and, and she sort of said, you know, look, you know, you will, you will make it work, right? Because your love for your children and your love for your business is so great, um, and and ultimately, like we can't all put our lives on hold while we're building businesses and and, and innovating and trying new things. Um, it's it's important that life continues. And um, there never is a perfect moment to get married or to have kids or to, you know, to move abroad or to start a business or whatever. Um, and and sometimes in life you need to go with the flow and. You know, look. A few weeks after I had that conversation with Eddie, um Alba was conceived. So uh, here we are, a year later, and uh, you know we have a we have a beautiful young daughter, and the business continues to grow. So so you can totally make it work. Um, and I think families. Also, it's important to say I think because because often this doesn't get discussed. And um, I think families can bring stability and support to entrepreneurs. Right. So. You know, there's just generally less kind of like ups and downs that you might have if you were like going through a crazy kind of romance, you know, just try, or trying to find, you know, a boyfriend or girlfriend. You know, things are just they're a little bit more settled. Um, and, and having that support at home is, is, is really fantastic and, you know, helps to lift you up when things are perhaps tougher. Um, and help you know also helps you to keep your feet on the ground and things are going well so so yeah look I think um I, th- I think it's good I think I think um families and startups are definitely compatible
0: so yeah I was gonna ask so do, do you use Alba and and your family in general as the counterweight to the stress of of running the type of company that you're running
1: yeah I mean I think um you know, we, we, there have been times where it has been super stressful and there's been a lot of uncertainty, right, at different stages of Equipment Connect. But that was probably more before Alba was born. Things are, you know, thankfully a much better place now. Um, I think that with Alba and with, with my wife, Maria, um, you know, you know, the, 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 there's just a, there's a real anchor there you know that keeps keeps perspective right um so i understand you know how much is at stake um i understand that the success of the company you know doesn't just impact me it will impact my family um, in a big way and and that that's a motivating factor right that you know even after broken sleep and a 5:30 start you know that that gets me on my bicycle, gets me into the office quickly. So that's that's um, an in, that's
0: an interesting way to put it. So I mean, do you but do you not feel that it actually puts you under more stress? But, I mean, you, you said you worked at you you were in banking before. I, I'm going to assume um, you are on a good remuneration, and um, now obviously going to a startup, you're basically paid peanuts, if if anything <laughs> at all. Uh, does that not introduce a new stress, which is financial,
1: for you and your family? Uh, so I think I think you know there there is a tight enough squeeze, right? So you know we certainly we certainly have enough money that we can live a reasonable life. You know we're not closed off from anything big that we would otherwise do um but you know yeah i mean it would be nice to earn more than, than than we have but you know my wife um you know she works um and i've been paying myself a uh a salary that's you know broadly equivalent to what i was earning when i was 21 years old um so so yeah you know i've, I've taken a big drop but 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 you know i think with, with with salary and income, generally there's always a, a diminishing, uh, a diminishing return as as you earn more, right? For one, you pay a lot more tax, and um, but but also, you know, most of what makes you happy as an individual, you can cover that on a modest enough salary. Right? That's 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 that's
0: yeah, that's that's fair enough. But so if if you were talking to some new, youngish um, startup founders would your advice then be to say well make sure you're comfortable because the next year or two is going to be a bit of a squeeze Um, don't do it if you don't have the cash
1: yeah so i think i think i would always advise new entrepreneurs to get stuck into their idea and start fleshing out the solution that they're thinking about in their head and maybe even start building up that team before they're fully in the startup, right? Um, and then I think, I think really, and it depends on the individual's age, it depends on where they are in their career and their financial responsibilities. But I don't think an entrepreneur should be working on an idea without compensation, without some basic salary at least coming within six to twelve months right so you know you hear stories sometimes of you know particularly in the us where having a a dream and having a vision is everything right and you often hear about the entrepreneur who who borrows on the credit card who like sells their house and then starts renting and you know and and runs for years without earning anything Um, and i think that's I think that can be a little bit reckless, right? Um, particularly when there's others in the equation, right? And it's not just you but your family. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I think there's a balance. But 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 certainly, you know, you, with, with any business, I think it's important to push for early revenue and to push then to to try and normalize finances within that business by paying some salaries and you know, having some costs. Um, okay. You know,
0: no, that's 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 good. So I'm going to bring it, bring the conversation conversation back 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 to the family. How do you achieve that work life balance? And what did you try? What worked? What failed? Because what we'll find is that there'll be people listening to this who are in the midst of starting their own business, uh, and they are battling with that very same issue. Um, how did you go about achieving that balance?
1: Yeah, that, you know, that's that's a great question. Um, and I suppose if I, if I think about it and if I'm really honest, I, I didn't have a work-life balance when I started. I was working far <laughs> too hard. Yeah. And that's partly a consequence of my background. You know, I, I started in London in 2006 as an analyst at a, at a pretty aggressive investment bank, an American bank called Bear Stearns. Uh, and it was almost engineered in my head to accept the work-life imbalance, a <laughs> than of balance. Uh, you know, I, I, I do like now I'm older. You know, perhaps now that there's more focus on mental health, um, and, and, and there's more of an appreciation for, for you know, having a sustainable working life. Right, and um, I think that it is it is really important that don't overdo it and that you look after yourself in the whole um because actually the business business's success will rest on you being in good shape as an entrepreneur and i'm the first to say that in the past i'd let myself get too burnt out too, kind of just spread out um so yeah what i'd say i think you know just as advice i'd say you know like People used to talk about, you know, working hard and playing hard. I would say at least if you're over 35, um, you should think about working hard and resting hard, right? And what do I mean by that? I mean, you know, do a good intense 50 hours or maybe 60 hours if you're trying to, if you're trying to get investment in or there's a, a lot happening in the business do that 50 to 60 hour a week and work hard and really focus on it. Um, but then, but then switch off. and Switch off completely, right? Because you won't be productive if you're constantly checking in and, and there's no detachment
0: from your work. Some people find that really hard to switching off completely. I mean, you have your you have your phone right there, and I'm guilty of it myself. We went we went away this weekend, and I got the phone right there, and I see emails coming in, I see Slack messages coming in, or WhatsApps coming in, and I feel like I have to reply there and then otherwise I've lost momentum I mean how do you get that discipline
1: yeah it, it, especially in those early days right when you're so so excited and, and like exactly yeah you know you want it you want to be on it 24/7 but like um you know you got it for your own mental health, and for you know, you know, just 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 to make sure that you you are fresh on a Monday morning, you have to be able to to detach for a period of time. And um, and I, you know, in my case, you know, Jesus like I was, I was at the stage where I was constantly taking calls at the weekend, constantly on my personal phone, um, working away. And I just said enough's enough. And I, I, I was actually at a football match. It was at the Emirates watching Arsenal, and I had to take a call that came in. Um, <laughs> I Missed the goal, I missed the beautiful goal as well. Uh, the rare, and, the and, rare and, you know, goal that does enough. go in for Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see next season. Should be better. But we, um, I think, look, I, I think splitting up your devices between work and personal life. You know it is is a good idea and um, i think not opening up your your work laptop at home when you're with the family or the kids is is also good um i'm not a big fan of working from home for this reason i i i I've always felt that it's good to have to have a physical separation um and i try as much as possible to to do my full working week in, in the office, which which isn't actually that far from the house. Um but but it it gives me that mental separation. Uh so yeah you know I think that's important. And then the last thing I'd say is I think taking taking frequent short breaks rather than long holidays, I think is a good way to do it. So take like three to four days like a long weekend and just totally switch off and then come back and you you'll absolutely be flying. You'd be that's... running twice as fast. Well, that's,
0: that's good advice. And I get that not, you know, work, working from home um, doesn't give you that separation between business and, and family that you really need. It's too easy to walk into your office at home or just open up your laptop to to check something, isn't it? Totally.
1: Absolutely. It, it's too tempting.
0: So during, I mean, you said you worked at Bear Stearns, which would have been, which probably was a... A bit of a roller coaster for you um and during your startup phase you know the initial sort of part of uh, uh, of getting Equipment and connect on its feet there must have been some very hard times that you went through um and i know i know there were some very difficult times in your uh, in the earlier stages where you're trying to find the right people and trying to get the product out and then you were getting you know all sorts of technical issues and so on how did you keep yourself
1: motivated So for me, what ultimately this should what should always this be the, the ultimate determining factor in whether or not you should continue pushing with a startup is does the problem still exist for the customer? right? Because if the problem does still exist and, and you can solve that problem with what you're bringing to the market, then really it's just a question, of, of of capital if you need capital you need investment and and logistics of getting that product out right and um, and that's how I think about it on a high level and that has helped me come through the more difficult times and and, and you know look anybody who starts a business particularly if it's a disruptive or a scalable tech based business I think if you're expecting a A sort of an easy ride, you know, with I don't know, with Jeff Bezos and and Blue Origin heading up to space. Um, that's just not gonna happen, right? You know, like you may you may have an easy ride for the first few months, you know, things for whatever good fortune may be night really neatly lined up for you, and and you might have that founding team, for instance, which helps you move really fast at the beginning, but you know, like. Every startup at, at a different stage will, will face some issues, um, uh, and, and you've got to you've got to just push through it.
0: That's and that's interesting because this we'll we'll talk about equipment connect in in a bit, but this is actually your first startup, so you've got some experience in in knowing what what the ups and downs are in the early stages. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your first startup? I forget the name of that company. Catch the lingo, I think it was, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. sure. Uh, Catch the Lingo yes so all the way back in 2009 in the dark depths of the the great financial crisis uh, I was out in Latin America I was volunteering in Nicaragua and I wanted to learn Spanish and I struggled to find any good resource on the web to help me source a language school so I set up Catch the Lingo as a marketplace for foreign language courses, um, particularly that aimed at backpackers, uh, expats, um, living overseas, and um, you know, we ultimately we, we worked with some um, volunteering agencies. We worked with some um, TEFL or teaching English as a foreign language course providers as well. Uh, and it was, um, you know, it was, it, it was a business that kind of very much, I suppose, fitted my lifestyle at the time, you know, living out there. And um, it was an interesting kind of first foray into entrepreneurship. Um, I learned a, a great deal and got to work with some, with some really interesting people. And, um, you know, the business, I think we got it to a stage where we had maybe 20 different language schools on the marketplace. And... Um, you know, generated a little bit of revenue out of it it certainly paid for my empanadas and beer for, for 2009. Well that's the most important um, thing Well yeah, <laughs> tell you what um, working with young children at school is hard You <laughs> certainly build up quite a hunger so um, yeah just uh, you know got back to London um, to try and build up the business a little bit more but then got pulled in by the the allure of of, of, a, um, of of a of a good career in investment banking and and ultimately the business you know came to an end because of that um, but yeah it was uh you know it was a perfectly good idea and you know we we, we basically it was bootstrapped right um so yeah interesting interesting time
0: i noticed you i noticed you you, you stopped yourself from saying the business failed do, do you are you afraid of failure
1: no no um you know it did it did fail right <laughs> you know i we you know it failed because because the founders of the business just had had too much pull away and too much distraction um, and and ultimately we just weren't committed enough to the business is that do you think that's the most
0: do you think that's the most important lesson to have learned from catch the lingo that you apply now or is it something else if at all was there yeah, anything I, that you think you could apply right now
1: yeah so, so, so yeah I would say that it's definitely one of the major takeaways i mean you, you know, we live now in a culture which is very pro entrepreneur very pro startup Like, get out there, try something, do it. Um, But but, but I do think it's generally a longer journey than most entrepreneurs expect. And you shouldn't take the leap unless you're fully committed and ready for the tough times as well as the good times. Um, And and look, I've had a lot of ideas since Catch the Lingo, but I wasn't fully committed to them. But with Equipment Connect, I was. And and that's why ultimately I decided to to, to go for it, and um, so yeah, that that would
0: be that. Would be advice. And actually, when we we met when when you were actually starting that journey and you were actually looking for a tech guy to make that to make that um, a reality for you, and that was back in 2017 or something like this. Um, tell us a little bit about the journey that that led up to that point. So you know, between Catch the Lingo, getting pulled away into the, into banking again, and then starting off your 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 idea for Equipment Connect?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, um, if you can imagine back to 2016, 2017, I was working on an investment bank and I was effectively focused on what's referred to as asset-backed securities. So these are bonds backed by cash flows from real assets. Um, Back then... With quantitative easing and with market dynamics, there was just there was very little yield or return being offered by those bonds. So a lot of our clients, these would be hedge funds, pension funds, asset managers, insurance companies, they were increasingly looking to invest away from bonds. And they were looking instead to lend money directly to, you know, real estate projects infrastructure projects or or, or, or businesses who need finance. Um, and, and that, that's part of a trend called, you know, direct lending. Um, and within that, back then, if you can remember, we had, you know, some big, big platforms starting to get going. People like Funding Circle were, were really at the peak of their excitement LendInvest. Um, Lend Invest you know, rate setter, there were some really, really big guys who, who you know, some, some of them are, are no longer um, doing so well, but, but the point was there was this big trend towards platform lending and platform finance. Um, around the same time, I was asked to help an Irish bank arrange wholesale funding for a portfolio of leases that they have, and I started looking at the leasing sector, um, and I noticed that, that it was brutally inefficient right? Because you had agents, effectively brokers um, and, and, and other houses who were extracting large commissions. Um, and, and and also because of how intermediated the market was, there was just, it was just a really poor customer experience, right? Because the finance just took so long to fall into place and, and things just weren't great. And then and then I started I started like talking to actual equipment manufacturers and equipment you know, businesses who need equipment and equipment customers. And you know, what was clear was that actually on their side, what mattered even more than getting the competitive rate was that the process was easy, right? Because they're busy people, small business directors are, are you know, they're spread out across I don't know how many functions and, and hassle costs them money so so bringing everything together it became clear that there was an opportunity to set up a platform that would be funded by institutional investors where small businesses could could arrange finance on equipment and they could do that only if we had great technology we needed to make sure that the process was fast, but the process was ideally paperless. And we were actually the first people in the UK to facilitate finance without any paper contracts, right? Our tech that we developed, you know, ultimately generated the contracts on the on, on the leasing um, and managed everything with the equipment vendor, including maintenance and insurance and that. Um, but that that's ultimately how I how I got. Up and running with
0: equipment connect. so I mean, I can see you identify the problem because you were in that in that space. Um, but what motivated you? What was the what was the clicking moment in your mind that you thought, you know what, I could do this better, given that everyone else yeah. in this world were massive. Well, I'm guessing were were these big banks with millions of pounds um, of of uh, uh, power behind them as well as talent.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, good good question. Um, I think that moment was when I was listening into uh, an earnings call from one of the, the big UK banks when they reported their results. And the head of asset finance at that bank was effectively boasting about how juicy their margins were In asset finance and when a reporter challenged the 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 banker as to how sustainable those profits were the banker's response was look our customers will stay with us you know there's loyalty there we we, you know we, we we continue to provide the funding and and the banker effectively dismissed any competitive threat, um, despite the fact that the journalists highlighted that the customers were often f- having to to wait quite a long time for the finance to fall into place. So 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 there was that arrogance, that that sense of invincibility, that really spurred me on to uh, to take to take the battle um, to these guys. And, you know, that, that, was, that was really the moment. Um, but I think just generally at that time, I was, I was starting to feel a little underutilized or a little kind of frustrated in, in the banking world. I was feeling like I was servicing and, and really just, you know, keeping the pipes moving. Um, rather than than creating anything or structuring anything, and I wanted to get back into building, right, actually creating stuff. And um, so that was that was kind of part of it as well.
0: It's a really common thread. This is with, with all the people that I speak to for this podcast. Is that is that there is a desire and urge to be creative and do something new, and it feels obvious now that I'm saying it actually. But there's, there's, it's a very prominent trait. That that seems to be that seems to be everywhere. Uh, that's clearly that's clearly how you felt um, in those early stages. But did you feel it was a bit of a David versus Goliath moment where you thought, well, um, this guy who's doing this report has the arrogance has has basically has dismissed any possibility of there being competition. Well, I can be competition. Is do you? I wonder if is that is that is that a personality trait? Do you like to take on a big challenge and say, "Yeah, I'm going to take that on and beat it"?
1: Uh, good question. I I detest smugness just generally, um, but I I don't yeah I don't know if I mean I don't think I would have taken it on if I didn't feel it was viable, right? If I didn't if I didn't believe that I could get something to market that was significantly better than what already existed. Um, I wouldn't have just, you know, taking these guys out on the battlefield, you know, for for pride or for anything else. I think, you know, ultimately in in, in business, you have to take risks, but you should always always measure and, and as much as possible context contextualize those risks.
0: Yeah, interesting uh, so you've already you've already sort of described what what equipment connect is kind of about in the in the preamble there to to describing how you got got to that point but what's the what's the grand vision for the company
1: yeah uh, glad you asked so equipment connect our vision is to be the app that small businesses rely on they source finance and manage equipment you know that's that's quite a big big statement um and that includes a, a very big market but but ultimately for businesses if if they can literally open up a single app where they can find whatever equipment they need they can then lease that equipment you know they can finance it there and then on the marketplace and then on the back end you know if they want to arrange maintenance if they want to upgrade the equipment if they want to order extra parts whatever it is everything's there you know i think small businesses prize convenience more than really anything else and 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 that's that's what we're focused on so if Um, i was
0: i'm going to take a i'm going to take a a biotech angle, because that's the kind of thing, kind of people that we, we speak to usually. Um, so if I was, just to just, just kind of dumb down the, um, uh, the, the story here for, for someone like me, who might not understand it uh, very well. If I was a biotech company, I need some specialist equipment in my lab, but it's not necessarily equipment that I wanna buy or even keep for a very long time. I could use your app or your service to not only source that equipment, but also source the money that is required to pay for it.
1: Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And then, and then on the on the back end, after you have that equipment, you may want to change the nature of your contract. You may want to change the equipment, and you can manage all of that on, on the app. Um, and really, you know, it, it's about helping small businesses who, who, who for too long have had to deal with brokers with agents you know we hear so many cases of businesses who spend more time arranging the finance on, on equipment than they do on, on actually sourcing the equipment itself and um, which is crazy right i mean imagine imagine you spent more time sorting out batteries for you the remote control on your new, new tv than than, than getting your tv right it, it, you know finance for me is is, is 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 just electricity right it's what powers the the purchase um and and if the company is credit worthy that that finance that electricity should just flow straight through that's that's a great way of putting
0: it because a lot of the companies that you're probably helping are are cash flow constrained to begin with so um it's not just about finding the right equipment to make their businesses assessed. It's actually finding the right finance, to, and finding the right finance is often difficult because um, because they they've got a lot of people to go to to ask for finance, or you know, they, they, all they go to is just investors rather than getting bank loans.
1: Yeah, I mean, generally, you know, our typical business has fourteen employees, turnover. Of about five million pounds a year, they're, they are small small businesses, and um, by and large, they're growing businesses, right? And when you're growing, cash flow can be constrained, um, but, but, but but that doesn't mean they aren't credit worthy, right? They are credit worthy, um, what they need is they need a, a sort of a fair, and and you know, in our case, instantaneous assessment of their of their credit. Um, which allows them to push forward with confidence and get the finance that they need. And the the type of
0: stuff they can get through Equipment Connect, is that basically like sort of the everyday equipment that they, they would need? Or could it even be things like, again, I'm going to take the biotech angle. There are SMEs out there that require lab space and things like this. Um, would that be a possibility too, do you think?
1: Yes. So so as long as the equipment has a value of at least five thousand pounds and as long as the equipment can be recovered, if for whatever reason the customer, you know, stops paying their, their for their lease and, 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 and um, goes into default or just decides they want that, um, as long as that equipment can be recovered and resold, um and as long as it has a you know a reasonable economic life of you know a minimum of, of sort of five, six years, then then we can finance it on on Equipment Connect, um, and and you know going forward into next year, we're going to have the facility for for customers to to switch from rentals to long term leasing mid mid contract. Um, you know we really want to make sure that that our our customers, our users, you know small businesses who need flexibility, are able to to make the most of the convenience that our technology provides, um, and that's that's what it's about. So I, I, th- I think
0: you've answered this following question already a little bit, but I, I'm going to ask anyway because I think it's really important that people focus on the why um, rather than just focusing on the innovation, um, because it, it helps you it helps you focus your mind on the value prop. So why is what you're doing important?
1: Well, I mean, on a high level, it's important because small business owners, you know, they deserve better, right? They, they, they ultimately drive the economy. They're the risk takers. They're the creators. They're the builders. And, and too often they're held back because processes are slow. It's too much, too much labor intensity. Too much intermediation, too many agents taking out large commission flows. You know, there's not enough transparency. And tech, the reason tech is so exciting and the reason tech is centered to our business is because it allows us to to really change that for the better. You know, to make sure that the customers in the driving seat, that from first contact to final contract, everything is digital. You know, our process is completely paperless and, and customers can access up to a quarter million, quarter of a million pounds of, 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 lease finance on, on equipment. Um, so that, that, that's, that's why, um, that's okay. Why. And
0: obviously this, you know, you set up this, you've identified a problem. You set up this great business. Um, but in the journey of building that product and in of building that, that business, what's been your biggest challenge and how did you solve it
1: yeah so i initially you know when i when i think about this question now i'm tempted to say to say you know securing funding from institutional investors has been has been tough and, and it has right we we, we, we um we talked quite some time to secure our first term sheet from from an institutional funder, an institutional investor. Um, But actually, I would say the biggest challenge for our startup, and I would imagine for most, you know, early stage fintechs who haven't raised, you know, millions of pounds of equity investment, would be sourcing good quality talent and, this is particularly the case because for a business such as ours we need talent in many different function areas so we obviously need good 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 tech good tech people we need quality developers and you know good architects good ctos um but also then credit you know we have to we have to find a a credit modeling person to develop a credit model we needed a an underwriter who had a lot of experience and we managed to find someone with, you know, with 30 years at, at GE Capital and BNMP Paribas, um, you know, product marketing. There's, there's so many different functions to a business like ours. So uh, covering all those areas is is tough and tough time. And, you know, I think something I, I realized in the early days of, of trying to get Equipment Connect set up was there's no point taking you know, a B plus or a B minus individual. You need, you need top caliber people, right? If you if you're gonna go out there and actually compete with big big institutions, um, you need to not just be better, but you need to be substantially better. And you need individuals, you know, who, who, who can really hit the ground running, right? Because time, time is of the essence for any startup. And, you know, I would encourage entrepreneurs listening to this or pr- prospective entrepreneurs to really invest as much as they can in their network and to build out their, their recruitment uh, channels before they take the dive into setting up a company.
0: Is that the, is that the one thing you do differently?
1: Um, yeah, I, I would, would have definitely you know i didn't have any network with credit people or product people or marketing people before i got involved in equipment connect or or, or tech people for that matter yeah Um, so yeah i I definitely would have done it um differently that way um i think also i think you know and ultimately the choice is often taken out of the hands of the entrepreneur but i think i think you know momentum really matters in Mm -hmm. in the startup world and it, it, it makes a tremendous difference to have to have a good amount of investment up front even if that means accepting a lower valuation or accepting some terms that are punitive on the founder uh, it can be worthwhile to have to have that punch at the beginning yeah um you know it's it's not cheap particularly fintech Innovation within fintech is just not cheap, right? Um, mm. You know, I think in my first month, I went to a, a law firm to try and uh, and map out a, a structure that would facilitate finance for what I wanted to do, and you know the, the firm just said, you know, this 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 is this is difficult, right? You want to set up these different legal entities. This is not going to be easy. You're going to need to. Have some innovative thinking here, um, and they actually referred me to a bigger law firm, uh, a more expensive law firm. And I, I remember getting a quote for hundred and twenty thousand pounds, right, to do to do this work. Equipment Connect was founded on a ninety thousand pound investment plus an investment from Innovate UK. We we won an award from Innovate UK to to do a feasibility study with some new technology. So, like, you know it's crazy, right? I mean, you know, financial services, you know, innovating in financial services is expensive. You can set up a traditional old school financial services business without much capital, but, but if you're going to genuinely innovate, um, it's, it's not cheap. And as you know, very well, Manish, you know, tech, good tech people are, are, are few and far between and they're, they're expensive. Right. So, yeah. you know, it's, uh, it can be tricky.
0: Yeah. So, Final question before we sort of round off uh, the podcast. What does the future look like for you and for Equipment Connect?
1: Yeah, uh, so nice way to end it. Look, it's it's great. It's positive. Uh, we're, we're in opera business at the moment. Our marketplace is growing by 20% month a month. Um, we've got a really kick-ass team now at, at the top. Um, Grace, you know, is doing an awesome job. Business development. We've got um, JT on the tech side, who's previously at Zupla, um, and worked at EE automating a lot of their contracts. And you know, there's, uh, there's, it's, it's an exciting time. We've got a really interesting product roadmap. I think we need to make sure we don't try and do too much. Um, but you know, for us, it's all about scaling up. We're just hitting one million pounds a month of finance requests coming onto the onto the app. Oh, great! Um, and that's that's growing, you know, as as our vendors grow, as our relationships grow, and yeah, it's 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 exciting, right? This is a this is a market, right? Equipment acquisition, you know, equipment financing and equipment management that's worth hundreds of billions of pounds globally. Um, for, for whatever reasons um, perhaps because you know leasing equipment is, is not something that happens very often within the tech world or you know within the sort of the big metropolitan centers you know this is an area that's just been starved of fresh ideas and innovation for too long and and we're changing that and I think I think I, th- I think it's going to be really really exciting.
0: Great, great, great note to end on and, and good luck to you. It looks like you're getting some really great traction there. And um what a what a unique what a unique company. So congratulations on that. Um we always end off the uh the, the podcast with a few quick fire questions for which you have not seen the questions. Um so short, sharp answers. It is said that if you are to fail, then fail fast. So the first question is would you agree?
1: uh no not necessarily i mean so failing fast is fine but only if the hypothesis for setting up the business turns out to be in, incorrect and um, and that's if it's firmly rejected but don't fail for the wrong reasons don't fail because the journey is tough don't fail because you have setbacks you know, fail for the right reason. If the customer doesn't want what you're offering, that's a good reason to fail. And yes, fail early in that
0: case. You must be psychic because the next question was, what would be the fail metrics for you? <laughs> um, but that's clearly that's clearly uh, customer-based, <laughs> very good. Um, seed stage investment, better to target angels or VCs?
1: Depends on the company, depends on the stage. I think early on, if you're at idea stage, and you haven't actually built anything or tested anything. While there are some VCs who pitch themselves at that market, I would focus on angels, particularly angels who are are, uh, well respected in that industry, have good professional links um, and have experience, perhaps even setting up a business in that industry. But yeah, I would say angels early on, um, VCs later, Although VCs don't suit every kind of business. It has to be a business that's highly scalable and it has to be disrupting a big market okay. um, for, qualify for a VC. All right.
0: If you had the choice of getting £1 million of investment from silent investors versus £500,000 investment from investors who want board seats and be involved in the business, which one would you choose?
1: Uh, if, if those investors will add value, real value, then I would take the 500,000 pounds with, with, with the quality investors. Um,
0: yeah. Building a platform in FinTech. Better to hire your own team to build it from scratch or
1: outsource? It's, this is a million dollar question. Um, I think I think if you're genuine FinTech and you are genuinely innovating, you need to have your team in-house. You need to have the agility that that provides uh, and the the control. Um, But I do think there's nothing wrong with supplementing your team with some outside contracted resource when when needed, but your core team should be in-house.
0: Okay, good answer. If you could start Equipment Connect again and share 50% of your company with a tech-savvy co-founder, would you have done it?
1: only if it was an exceptional individual. Awesome. Amen, up man.
0: Thanks so much for your time and good luck with Google Connect.
1: Thank you. It's been, a, it's been a lot of fun. Great to be on. Cheers, Manish. Cheers.
0: Thanks for listening to Startup Talk Up. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please hit the ratings button from wherever you got it, which will really help us to grow our audience. If you're feeling generous, please also check out the links in the description and donate to the charities that we are currently supporting. Thanks once again, and see you next time.